are listening to the MX Vice Insight Podcast, presented by Liat and Prox Racing Parts. One-on-one interviews with riders, team managers, and industry personalities. Welcome to another edition of the MX Vice Insight Podcast, where we uh, go a little deeper into the stories around the paddock, uh, whether that's riders, industry people, or just about anyone. I think we've got an interesting one lined up today, uh, plenty to talk about. And um, yeah, this man has been off the radar for quite a while now, so... Let's put him back on the radar. Why not? As always, the MX Vice Insight podcast is presented by our friends at Liat and uh, Prox Performance Parts. Liat are known for producing the world's most effective neck braces and continue to evolve as they protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet with 360 turbine technology, Liat has you covered. Uh, gear, neck brace, boots, helmet, goggles, uh, enduro stuff, mountain bike stuff, just about everything from our friends at Liat. And uh, Prox Performance Parts supply genuine replacement products which meet or even exceed OEM quality. All parts are manufactured to highest quality standard at state-of-the-art manufacturing facilities around the world. Hence why everything that Prox Racing Parts offer exceeds the highest level requirements for all motocross riders require. Many of the Prox parts are actually made by the same suppliers to the OEMs. Head to pro-x.com now to learn more. And uh, this man has actually used Liat and Prox very recently. It's Davey Pooches. How's it going, mate? Hey, mate. Yeah, it's going quite good now. I feel quite good. So We, um, we pulled you straight out of surgery. What, you, you had surgery yesterday, yeah? Yes. Um, yesterday, surgery. My last one, since my arm injury, they uh, removed some uh, more uh, pieces of bone. And uh, yeah, this uh, was the last surgery, so now I can build, I can uh, start building and uh, get uh, fit again. And then hopefully um, in a few months, I hope November, I can start riding again. How many, um, how many surgeries have you actually had on the arm then? Uh, quite a few, I guess. Yeah, I think it was like six or seven now in total. So it was quite a bit, but uh, the, the injury was also quite big, so... <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. I guess for people that don't know, obviously uh, you were getting ready to race MX2 last year with the F&H Racing Shop Kawasaki team, um, and you crashed in training in June, I think, and you broke your arm. But just talk us through like the crash and everything that happened, and what led, like, how it was so bad that you needed six to seven surgeries. Yes, we were training in France, and uh, it was the last day. It was two weeks before the season started again after the COVID nineteen uh, stop. So it was the last day we were training in France and everything was going really good. And um, yeah, there was a little jump down with like, it was only second gear and uh, the speed was very slow. But um, yeah, somehow, oh yeah, the bike shifted neutral. So I crashed and I was just sliding on my ass down the hill, which was, yeah, I didn't crash hard, but the bike started rolling down the hill, and then when I stopped down the hill, then the bike hit my arm. So it's um, the bike actually crunched my arm, you know. Yeah. So I broke my ulna in four places. It was like an open arm fracture. Yeah. I tear off all in, uh, forearm muscles. So actually, all muscles were were done, you know. And uh, my nerve was uh, damaged in my arm. So, uh, yeah, it was quite uh, a big injury. Did you know, like, after the crash, did you know that your arm was really screwed up? Or did you think that it was just like a normal arm break? And, like, 
oh, I'll be off the bike for eight weeks and then I'll be fine? Or did you like know straight away that actually like it didn't feel good at all? <laughs> yeah, like it didn't feel good at the first moment. You no, know, we had quite big stress because my arm was like the blood was popping out. That was not normal. It was like really, like, yeah, it was not normal how much blood was coming out. And like my arm was, you know, my hand was not straight anymore. My elbow got swollen up straight away. So it looked at the beginning, it was quite scary. But then um, when I came uh, in the hospital, I asked to see the pictures. And I saw that I only broke my, my ulna on four places. I was like, oh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's actually not too bad, you know. <laughs> like I, I expected it to be worse. But then, you know, the doctor still had stress. So then I was like, but yeah, like no one spoke uh, English there in the Spanish hospital. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, why is there still so, so much stress and stuff? But like normally when they make a picture, you only see the bone. But on my picture, you can see there were a lot of black holes in the muscles. Oh. So that showed already on the normal picture that all my muscles were like broken and stuff like that so um, yeah like I saw you said that there was a chance you were going to lose the arm like it was that serious like I guess for a time like they were talking about that might be a possibility yeah like um, the lucky thing I had that um, I didn't broke my um, yes the ulna and the other bone in your forearm yeah. the bigger one I, I, I didn't broke that one so if I also broke that one, then it was, yeah, probably, then I probably lost my arm. So it was uh, quite close. I guess it was a weird thing then, because obviously you were stressing because the injury was really bad, but then you were also quite happy because you didn't, like, you got to keep your arm. So like, it was a really bad situation, but you must have been a bit relieved at least that it wasn't like that tiny bit worse. Yeah, uh, the first week was a bit scary, but uh, after that, uh, yeah, I was happy uh, that everything was still working quite okay. And uh, yeah, what what do yeah. they um like? What do they say is like? Are you going to get full mobility back? You like when you get back to riding? Are you going to be just like normal, or is there going to be some things that some after effects of the injury? Um, yeah, for sure. The plan is to go back riding in November. Like uh, since it took one year since the crash, it took more than one year for me to to uh, to let the bone heal. You know, it didn't want to heal, so. Um, and actually, since the, the bone was healed, then also my muscles and my nerves started to feel better. So now I, I feel like I can ride proper in November, you know, like without any problems. And I guess in like, there's no, like in your mind, you're coming back to racing. Like there's no, oh, I don't know if I should, like you're ready to come back, get back into MXGP and like pick up your career where you left off. Yeah, exactly. That's the plan. Just yeah, we start from zero, but we will come back. And uh, yeah, this obviously this is something you're kind of used to because you have had um, quite a few unl- unlucky injuries in your career. Uh, I was looking back through your like results and things earlier, and um, yeah. I always remember the EMX one two five series in 2014. Like you started that season like unbelievable, just ridiculously dominant. Like everyone was obviously looking at you as the next big thing. Like all anyone was talking about, and then um. I think you dislocated your shoulder, didn't you, after like four rounds and that kind of stuff. From there, it's kind of been injury after injury after injury. But before that, did you like, as a youth rider growing up and stuff, did you have a lot of injuries or were you quite like lucky? 
actually since I started riding till 2014, since I uh, like when I dislocated my shoulder in 2014, I, I, I never had a real injury. I only broke one time my, my wrist. That was in 2009. But for the rest, I never really had a real injury. So really since 2014, when I was uh, leading the EMX 125 uh, championship, and um, yeah, then in Germany, I had a really little crash in the corner. And yeah, I dislocated uh, my shoulder, which, uh, yeah, Everything in my shoulder was broken then also. So since then, uh, the injuries uh, started, you know. Yeah, so I guess you were quite lucky when you were younger and then the bad luck just hit all at once ever since that dislocated shoulder. When was it? So when, like, a big thing through your career, for people that don't know, is like you've had wrist inflammation, I guess, and that's made it difficult for you to hold on and stuff for quite a few years. When did that actually start? That was, your, was that your EMX 250 year in 2015? Yeah, in 2015, I started uh, the year in the EMX 250. Then halfway the season, I made the switch to MX2. And yeah, because I started to ride good, you know, the results uh, were good in the MX2. I finished one time uh, third in uh, Latvia and I had some top fives and stuff. So um, then after Lommel GP, the Wednesday after Lommel, I was testing on the bike from Jeffrey in that time. Yeah. And then I got pain in my wrist. I was like, hmm, that's strange, no? And then um, uh, the next day we said, okay, I have pain today in my wrist, so tomorrow uh, we go testing. We don't test uh, today, but we test the other day. So then I was testing the next day and I was like, oh, no, I can't hold the bike, you know? I couldn't even drink, for example, a cup of coffee anymore with that hand. Yeah. It's a very strange feeling. And then um, it was funny, I had a signing session in Veldhoven that night, and I saw Mark Dreuver there, and he told me, Davy, don't ride with this. Go to the doctor, because this is not good. I was like, huh? <laughs> like, I didn't know what it was, you know, I just had pain in my wrist. But then, yeah, I went to the doctor, and I had inflammation in my wrist, and um, they gave me... Like, I, I, I didn't crash or nothing, but they gave me injections then, some coffee zone, you know, yeah. to uh, get in, in the inflammation away. But, um, yeah, they gave me a few weeks uh, plaster, plaster. And then before Austin GP that year in 2015, I, um, I tried to ride on Wednesday before because I really wanted to ride Austin GP. But then already that Wednesday, yeah, the inflammation was back already. So then we knew I need surgery. But I said, okay. It's uh, my first home GP. In the MX2, Jeffrey was injured. So I was like, yeah, we just go there and see if I can ride. So I did ride there. I was really fast. I think even if I was fit, I could be on the podium or even win the GP, to be honest. But yeah, after after, uh, that weekend, I had the surgery. I couldn't hold on to my bike or anything, you know. Do you think... um Racing that weekend, do you think it made it worse? Do you think if you'd actually, looking back now, if you hadn't raced that weekend in Assen, maybe the whole process would have been a bit quicker and stuff? Like, Do you think that maybe pushed it a little bit too far, like uh, Daruva said? Um, nah, not really, because like the inflammation got worse, but I needed surgery anyway, anyway so they, they clean everything. So normally it didn't matter if I was riding or not, you know, it didn't change anything, but 
like the inflammations I had in my wrist because I had them on both sides uh, two times. So the years after it was like, uh, yeah, I got more uh, inflammations in my wrist. Um, it's like uh, something I was born with. Or oh, like really? It's, yeah, it's just some, yeah, it's a strange thing. But that's another thing that like you never, like you never had pain in your wrist before that 2015 season though, did you? No, actually, yeah, since um, 2015, the season, then I got problems. So, um, yeah, now, like now they had all the surgery, so now it's not possible anymore that it comes back. But, um, yeah, I had, uh, I think in total, only with my inflammations in my wrist, I missed like two years in total of racing, you know? Yeah. When you had the first wrist uh, inflammation <laughs> surgeries at the end of 2015, did they think that one like that was going to fix it? Or did they say, oh yeah, you'll have this one surgery, you'll take some time off and then you'll be fine? Or did they say to you then, like, this is probably going to come back and you're probably going to need more surgeries in a couple of years or next year or whatever? Um, uh, actually, they said, uh, yeah, they, they cleaned it and they said, yeah, from now on, it should be fine. So, um, yeah. But they were wrong. Normally, <laughs> they, they, yeah, they were wrong, yeah. But they didn't expect it to go, that it came back, but yeah. Like a one year later already, it came back. So uh, sadly, this is why I wanted to. Um, this is why I thought it was worth talking about because so people look at your results, like your first year in MX2 and stuff like that, and all along you were dealing with this issue. Like it's not a broken bone, so people don't notice it. And like it's a weird thing that not like unless you kind of know exactly what's going on, you don't really understand like the struggle that comes with it. Like I guess in a weird way. All through your career so far, have you ever actually been completely 100% healthy? Because even dealing with this wrist, that, like, that means you're not 100%. No, since, since, I was, since I came into the MX2, so I also count the EMX250, I was never fully fit. Because when I started in the EMX250, the weekend before that race, I uh, was training in Feldermals uh, here in Holland at the Fast Track. Yeah. And then... Uh, my bike split in two pieces. I was going in fifth gear, full gas, and um, my bike split in two pieces. So then I had um, uh, a little uh, little blood in my brain, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, so since like the beginning of the EMX 250 didn't go good because I was just, yeah, not, uh, yeah, after that crash, I was just not uh, fit enough. So then we made the switch to MX2. Then it was getting better. I got, like I was riding top five already in MX2 at that moment. So and then I got the wrist uh, injury, what we told uh, about. And yeah, since then it was always injured. Like in Qatar, there was a big rock in the gym. I crashed and I broke my collarbone. Then one month later, after Qatar in Latvia, I got to go together with another rider. I broke my other collarbone. Then. Three months later, when I was coming back, when my speed was good enough for top five again, then I, and even Joel Smith said that in the Lombard GP, I could even win or podium. But then I got, again, the wrist inflammation, you know. So, yeah. Since then, I was never fit. So we need to, we need to talk about this quickly. Your bike snapped in half. Like, what, did you land off a jump or were you just going down a straight and it just snapped in half? <laughs> Yeah, it was just, I was going, yeah, Geldermals is a fast track, just, yeah, normal fast track. I was going fifth gear, and then in front of the jump, so not even when I landed in front of the jump, the bike snapped. 
Yeah, that's it. <laughs> oh, okay. That's, well, does not, that does not sound like a normal thing, but I guess if one rider is going to have the unluckiness of that happening, I guess it would be you. <laughs> no, exactly. It was just, yeah, bad, bad luck. And yeah, it was one of the biggest crashes I ever had. But um, yeah. I um I actually think your first full season in MX2 in 2016, like you said, you had two broken collarbones and you didn't finish the season. But I think your first year in MX2 was quite um was quite strong. Like, okay, maybe the results weren't always there, but I think like your riding, like you could see in your riding and like some laps should be up front and stuff. You could see that you had it in you to, like you say, be on the podium and maybe win races and stuff like that. Yes, uh, that was you know a little bit tough for me in that time, like. I was showing I had speed and I was showing I could come back from injuries or from, yeah, to, uh, to broken collarbones and stuff like that. And, you know, it was tough for me that I showed speed to be top five, like, and I was not fit. And then, yeah, at the end of the season, you know, yeah, I had to go to another team, you know, and in that, like there, it started a bit. Uh, yeah, that was mentally tough at that moment. But uh, that that year, actually, I was riding good. I was fast and I was feeling good. So it was a bit sad um, about the injuries and stuff. Did you kind of feel like after you after you broke your collarbone for a second time and stuff? Did you start to feel a bit more like pressure where people were like, "Come on, like you've got to stay healthy." Like, did you feel like there was that expectation from the team a little bit rather than just rather than them just being like? Oh, it's just an injury. Don't worry, you'll be back. Like, did you did you feel the mood change a little bit? Like, I to be honest, I didn't feel. Yeah, sure, you have pressure for your own to get good results, but I didn't feel any pressure that I, I uh, that it was possible that I had to leave the team I was riding for them because I was riding quite good. You know, I was feeling good, and they always said, "No stress, no stress. Just take your time." We know what you can do, and yeah, so it came a little bit unexpected. I thought at the time it was half your choice as well for some reason. I don't know why. I thought, I thought that um, someone told me that it was like a joint decision, but I guess not. No. Sorry, it was like a. I thought it was like a decision that like um, the, the team decided it would be best for you to move to another team, but then I thought you decided as well that you'd rather move to HSF. But was it more yeah. just you got told? Yeah, you know, it was a bit, I think um, HF wanted me and for KTM it was quite easy that I went there, you know. I think it was just more easy. I don't know. What was um? What was it like changing to HSF? Obviously you were still, you had that really long multi-year deal with um, KTM Factory. So I guess you were still like, you were still linked to the factory and you could still talk to those guys and everything. But um. Was that like quite, was that, did that end up being quite a good move for you because it was just a bit more relaxed, a bit more like a home team because obviously all very Dutch? Like, did that end up making you feel just a bit more comfortable? Um, yeah, actually, I was feeling uh, good with HF. You know, I had uh, fun. I was, um, actually, I was riding good. I, I was fit. But um, yeah, like the same story as all the other years. Um, at the beginning, like in 2016, I had many injuries. So, 2017, we had like um, said, okay, we just stopped and um, yeah, we built, you know, into the season. So, yeah, then in Qatar, for example, I finished, I think, 11th overall or something. And then the second race in Indonesia, I finished fifth overall. 
I've won moto, I finished second. Yeah. So it was going really good, and I was feeling really good with the team. The team was working really good with me. But then, yeah, the third round in Argentina, um, after the the uh, in the first moto, like the fourth corner after the start, I got um, together with another rider, and I crashed on my shoulder, and um, yeah, like that completely damaged my shoulder. <laughs> So that season was over already after the third uh, piece. Was that, at that time, were you pretty pissed off? Were you kind of like, okay, this is getting like, okay, fair enough. Like, this is getting ridiculous now. Like, how many injuries can I have and that aren't even really my fault? At that point, were you pretty down or were you still feeling quite like, it's fine, I'll get through this one and then I'll come back? Yeah, actually, since then, it started like, I was feeling like, why is this happening to me? You know, I, I put in the work, I just do what I have to do, you know, and I know I can ride a bike, I know I can do podiums, but it's just like the injuries are killing me. And then, yeah, it was tough to accept that, but yeah, I just, you know, like with every injury, I was always like, okay, just um, let it heal and we go again, you know. Did you feel a bit more pressure as well? Because obviously like growing up and stuff, there was a lot of attention on you, especially like in Holland and stuff. Like people looked at you as like the next Jeffrey Hurlins. Like, did you feel that pressure going into MX2? Like, okay, I've got to, I've got to do this. Everyone thinks I'm going to do this. I've got to do it. Yeah, of course, I had some pressure, but it was, I think, like, um, it was not too bad. You know, I was still feeling okay, and I could still ride my bike. Like uh, the pressure, there was pressure, of course, but it was okay. And then you actually did come back for the end of that season with HSF. And I remember um, Assen, like, uh, I think you went 12-9 at Assen, which like, okay, for you, you're probably like, that's a shit result. But I remember watching you that weekend and being like, okay, he's back from this shoulder injury. Okay, this is a, like, this is a start. This is a solid re- result, a solid ride. Like, he'll build from here. Like, I remember that, I, f- I remember for some reason that race sticks out in my mind as like, this is a good place for him to hit restart from. Yeah, that's true. Actually, yeah. Like I got surgery then after the third CP when I was at HF and uh, they they took some uh, tendons from my knee they put in my shoulder so it was quite a heavy injury but um, yeah I started riding and I did my first CP back in Swiss that didn't go good because it was way too early yeah but um, yeah you know it was just building and just ride you know get fit again and make hours. Yeah, I was just not fit. Even in Asta, you know, I was still riding with the uh, in my shoulder, you know, because it was just too painful. I didn't have any power in my shoulder, you know. So it was, I was like far from fitter. And yeah, I, in Asta, I still rode good. And also the weekend after in France, I think. Yeah, yeah, but, the, yeah uh, France, mother. Yeah, yeah, the mother, yeah. Yeah, there was a mother race, yeah. But yeah, like, I was, like, till then, you know, I was, uh, like, around, yeah, top 10 in Aston. I, second moto, I remember, it was one of the best motos I did, because I came from 30 back to 9. But, um, yeah, like, to see those results, even when I was far from fit, you know, like, yeah, that made me believe to to come back again, you know. And in that season with HSF, was your wrist fine? Was that still a problem or did you think that that was fully sorted and not going to be a problem anymore? Um, with HSF, 
I didn't have any problems with my wrist. I didn't have any. So that was actually a good year for my wrist. <laughs> and uh, I only had a problem with my shoulder then. Well, that's, that's fair go. That's one good thing about that year then. <laughs> um, yeah, that I, was a good thing. <laughs> I'm guessing it was a bit of a bummer for you that you couldn't stay with HSF because like, like we say, that was quite a good place for you. So I guess you were pretty disappointed when um, you found out you'd have to move teams again. Yes, it was also like I was coming back that year, you know, for my shoulder injury and uh, yeah, the, I signed a two-year deal with HSF, you know. So... Um, Normally, the year after, I was still riding for HF, so it was like nice to get the, in some races at the end of the season, and then we would take a little break, and then we start riding again for season 2018 for HF. But like on the last race, I got to hear that I couldn't stay with HF at the last GP. They were all like, I got told like, yeah, we stay with HF for next year. Yeah. But then the last GP. I got told it was not possible to stay with HF. So, yeah, that was quite difficult too. <laughs> I get because you were still under contract. I've never really understood like how this works, but so you were still under contract with KTM Factory, though. So, did they just like, did they just say to you, like, don't worry about it, we'll find somewhere for you to go? And then you just waited for them to send an email saying, hi, um, we've, we've, we're going to put you under this warning for 2018. Yeah, like you have a contract with KTM. I, I had a contract with KTM for five years, so they just need to find a place for me, you know, proper place. I guess that helps with the stress then, because you know you're going to have a ride, but obviously learning a new team again isn't, it wasn't ideal. No, exactly, but I, like KTM actually, I see that now, you know, I'm KTM was always really good to me and I... I thank them for everything they did for me and like hopefully we can still work together in the future. But um, for example, I had a contract for five years and I went to uh, from factory team to a semi-factory team. Yeah. But in that time, I could also sign for another factory team, for another brand, you know, so you are stuck to that contract. Oh, oh so, so another, another factory team actually offered you a deal? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> So like a few, a few other uh, factory teams uh, offered me some deals, but you you cannot go, you know. And KTM was still good for me, so like you don't want to have a fight, and I, and I couldn't go anyway, so because I had the contract. I guess even though you couldn't go, it must have been like that. Still, must have been nice because like after all of the injuries and stuff, you could you like you sat there, you got these offers, and you were like, okay, people still believe in me. Everyone still knows I can do this. Like that must have that's still like a nice uh, boost for you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That was, yeah, to see people still believing in you, you know, that, yeah, that, that's always good. How was it moving to the LRT team? Because that, from what I remember, that was a very different team to HSF. Just like, not just in the way of like, it was a lot more private, wasn't it? Like a lot smaller, a lot, it was a lot more of a privateer team than HSF, I'd probably say. Yeah. Yeah, actually with LRT, I had um, also, a good time actually. I I really liked the people, you know, uh, my mechanic and uh, uh, the family leader. You know, they were really good for me. And like the problem a little bit that year was like 2014, 16, and 17 was full of injuries already. And yeah, then 2018 the start was a bit like yeah, I started with arm pump, you know, in the races. Like I was riding a bit too tight, but my speed was really good. 
But uh, I think that year, my speed was one of the best years I ever had, you know. But um, yeah, I was just riding too tight at the beginning of the year. And then I was coming in the top 10 of, yeah, actually the top six, you know, some top five motos. And then I uh, crashed uh, at the second GP in Indonesia. I had a big crash and warm up. And uh, yeah, I damaged my shoulder again. Yeah, I remember. I remember the start of that season being good for you, just like good in the way that yeah, it was a bit up and down, and like again, like you expect yourself to be on the podium. But I remember it was like a solid start and way to rebuild for you again, just where you were in the top ten consistently. You were showing your like what you can do, and you were kind of getting those building blocks back. And then obviously, um, the progress got shut down by the shoulder injury. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I was at one point, I was eight in the championship. You know, I was like. Every weekend, solid in the top 10 and uh, like riding for around top 5 actually. But yeah, then uh, with that shoulder injury again, you know, like, yeah, it stopped. <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't, it wasn't like, again, similar to your arm actually. It wasn't just a normal, like, oh yeah, he's uh, dislocated his shoulder, he'll be back in three weeks. Like there was nerve damage and everything, wasn't there? Even in like your back. Yeah, it was like my shoulder blade, like you have your ribs. And your shoulder blade is on that, and there is like some kind of nerve, and that was damaged. So every time I wanted to try to ride, but there was just no power in my shoulder. Like I couldn't hold on to my handlebar because all the power was gone. So that took like four months to heal. Also, I tried to ride Lommel GP, but then yeah, it didn't work on Saturday. I just couldn't hold on to the bike, and then I even tried it. One month later, but yeah, still didn't work and uh, didn't make sense anymore to ride, you know, because it was really dangerous to ride and to get uh, more injured, you know. What um, what were the differences between the bikes at like HSF and LRT? Like, because you were under contract with Factory KTM, did that mean that you got Factory KTM made sure that you had a good bike and they made sure that you had some special parts and stuff, or were you still like very um? Like very locked into whatever the team could do and whatever sponsors the team had and stuff like that. Um, yeah, with HF, I just had the same as all other riders. So just what the team had, I had also. And we had the engines from Pullenberg, which were good. And yeah. Frank Pullenman did them, you know, together with Pullenberg. So I just had all the parts and everything from the team. And they and the team had the support also from the factory. So, And then with LRT, I got some uh, factory trains. Like you, you like other riders didn't have that, so yeah. I had the same like the factory team. Um, yeah, that's actually it. Like, I had a good uh, relationship and I still have with Robert Jonas, you know, from yeah. KTM, LRS Kovana, and everything. So he always uh, believed in me, so I got good uh, support from, from him, you know. Yeah, and then uh, speaking of Husqvarna, so you missed the, you missed the end of that 2018 season. 2019, you actually moved on to a Husqvarna with a Diga, so your fourth team in four years. Um, what was that switch like? Would you have been happy to stay at LRT, or like, were you quite excited for a change? Um, like the same. It was the same story as with HF. Like the team stopped. Like HF stopped at the end of uh, 2017 because yeah. they moved to Honda, and then uh, at the end of 2018, LRT stopped. So. I I had to uh, have another team, and then uh, I got in contact with uh, Diga Procos, 
together with Serge uh, Kovana then, KTM. And um, yeah, like uh, then we, we uh, made the deal. And um, yeah, actually, uh, it was one of my best years. I, actually, it was my best year I ever had. Yeah, was that, um, but going into that 2019 season, like same question again, were you fit, at that point, were you feeling more and more pressure to like, I've just got to try and stay injury free? I've got like, was that kind of like, instead of focusing on, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to get the best results possible and I'm just going to like leave it all on a track, were you instead thinking like, I'm just going to stay healthy and like, if I ride at 90%, then so be it, as long as I stay healthy and I get through the season? Like, was that more of a priority for you? 2019 season, it was my last season with my factory contract. So for sure, there was pressure because you need to find a team for, ne- for the year after. And that winter, I got um, Mark Röber as my trainer, a motocross trainer. And um, yeah, actually, uh, yeah, that winter went really good. And of course, I had pressure to get results. But at the beginning of the season, I was still easy in my head, you know, like we start again, just do some good motos, you know, stay consistent, stay out of trouble and then build, you know. So, yeah, I was still building and you could see that every weekend that year. Uh, and yeah, then again, halfway season, it went wrong. Again, something so stupid, you know, like a little crash and stuff, like someone touched my front wheel, I put my foot on the ground and someone hit my foot. So, yeah, but, but before we go on to the bad thing about 2019, that podium was that was cool to see you finally up there. Like it probably it took probably three or four years longer than you were expecting, but to finally get up there, that must have been like such a weight lifted off of you. Yeah, exactly. Like in 2019, then already at the fifth GP, I got on the podium. You know, and um, yeah, for sure that felt like that feeling was the best I ever had. I was. Riding good, it was a mud race, but still I was riding really good. Also, like in Falkenswart, I finished sixth, and yeah, the second moto, my engine broke, but I was riding around top five, then, um, yeah, then I got on the podium in Mantova. I was riding really good. I actually almost got second overall, but I crashed in the second moto. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and then, um, like even the race after in France, I finished. Six overall, I think one moto fifth. So yeah, it was it was going really good. It was yeah, I was feeling good. I was feeling good with the team. I was feeling good on my bike and yeah. Yeah, and then um, yeah, you injured your ankle in Latvia, and then didn't you injure your ankle again that year? Like I swear, there was two things that happened to your ankle in twenty nineteen. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of funny story about my ankle that year because uh, like I. I had the start crash in Latvia in the qualifying and I hit my ankle and then felt like, oh, I can almost not walk, you know. So then the next day I tried to ride, but it was not possible. Then um, the week after we went to the hospital and they made pictures of it and they said, oh, everything looks good, you know, it's just a bit swollen, but you can ride, you know, you cannot damage anything more. So I took two weeks rest and I started riding again, but because every week, like, yeah, one day is good, then the other day, ah, I have pain, you know. And, like, it was going like that for, I think, one month or one and a half month. And then I did my first race back at the Swartekros, the Dutch uh, Championship. Yeah. So 
that was okay. I finished fifth overall. Was okay race to come back. And then we had Czech um, GP. And the funny thing what happened there in the qualifying race, uh, Jeremy Cido, my teammate there, he was riding that weekend also on too. Yeah. So um, I passed him. And then at the moment I passed him, I slid away. So it was my mistake. <laughs> but I, I came together with, with him. And then my foot got stuck between um, his bike and my bike. Like I, I didn't crash, but my foot got stuck. So yeah, I hurt my ankle again. And then, um, then the funny thing also after that weekend, I was driving home in, in my car, you know, check to Holland. And I was driving and I was like, oh, I got pain in my wrist. I was like already <laughs> crashing. I was like, no, it's not happening. So. Yeah, I, I went a week after again for my ankle to the hospital and I, they also checked my wrist and they saw there was an inflammation in my wrist. So I got again cortisone and, um, and in my ankle, they didn't see anything again on the pictures. So that was very strange. But then I had to rest anyway with my uh, wrist and then later it resulted uh, that I had to undergo another surgery on my wrist because the inflammation got so big in my wrist that time that I even had to cut four centimeters of my muscle in my arm because it was just rotten away, you know. So then I was still saying to the doctor, I have pain in my ankle. Like it's already now for four months that I have pain. I was always riding, always training, but I still have pain. So then they made an MRI scan and they saw I broke the biggest bone in my ankle. So I was riding four months with a broken ankle. How did no one notice that to begin with? <laughs> yeah, it was like on the picture, you couldn't see it. Like it was like in a strange, uh, it was in the middle. You couldn't see it on the picture. So yeah. So, so yeah. That's, so again, just like such a weird, like, like even the thing that happened in Czech, like that, that's just such a weird, unlucky thing. <laughs> but, so that off, that off season, you took, uh, you really took some time, didn't? Well, this was the off season leading into 2020, which is when you did your arm. But that off season, the plan was to really take your time. Like, you don't have to race the first round of the World Championship in 2020. You're going to take your time. You're going to heal your wrist. You're going to heal your ankle. You're going to heal anything else. Like, 2020 was meant to be a really like, uh, not a really like easy, no pressure rebuilding year for you, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. You know, at the end of 2019, we came together and we said, you know, my body, like after uh, 2014, 15, 16, 18, 19, like six years of injuries, my body needed some rest. It needed to heal. My mind needed to heal. And I just needed more physical training without bike, you know, so you could really focus on my body and on my, all my injuries to get everything strong again, because like after five or six surgeries on my shoulder, you know, like my shoulders were not strong anymore to ride properly. So we really took, um, yeah, some time off and some more physical training off the bike and yeah, like we also had in the back in our head, we had the planning to come back halfway season 2020 and 2021 is my last season in MX2 and then we just go all in, you know? Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah, then in 2020 I was 
before I crashed, I think, yeah, mentally, physically, and also how I was riding, that was like the best I ever was. But yeah, sadly, um, two weeks before, uh, and I was lucky actually with the, the COVID-19 break because I could, I only missed two GPs because of that. So normally I should come back already at the third GP in August, yeah. you know? So, um, yeah, sadly, uh, two weeks before that race, uh, yeah, this, uh, happened with my arm and, um, actually like the crash was not big. I didn't crash my arm. Uh, I, I didn't break my arm with the crash, but it was just the bike that did my arm super bad. The, um, the decision to kind of like properly take your time at the end of 2019, I'm guessing that Daruva was a big like part of that. Like I'm guessing he kind of was part like kind of advised you to do that and really like looked after you through that process. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, Mark knows uh, also much about injuries. He had the same in his career and uh, oh, he had also quite much injuries. So um, he knows how tough it is and yeah, he said, yeah, we just need time and we're going to back when we are 110%, you know? So, in a way, has this, has for your, okay, the arm's been horrible and everything, but has that allowed your wrist, shoulder, back, everything, <laughs> ankle, everything else, has that given it even more time to heal? Like, does, apart from the arm, obviously, does the rest of your body feel really, really fresh now? Yeah, at this moment, to be honest, you, you mean now after my left arm yeah. injuries. Yeah, now. now I feel at this moment. Yeah. yeah. Like, before my crash, I was really fit. I can say that I was one of the most professional athletes in motocross. My body was super. Everything was, like, perfect. But now, after that crash, I was not allowed to train for one year. So, from the crash till now, I actually couldn't train physically because like my muscles were so damaged in my arm that every time, like even inside on the bicycle when I was cycling, then my blood started to go faster to my arm. And then I got, yeah, it was just not possible for my muscles, you know, that, yeah. my, that my heart rate got up. So actually since last week, I started physical training. So I didn't train for over a year. So what have you, so, like, for the last so year, what have you been doing? <laughs> yeah, I was, Working actually, <laughs> well, yeah, I had many surgeries, so six or seven surgeries. So that's like almost, yeah, every two months I had surgery. So you always need to heal from every surgery. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah when I, when it was possible, I just worked, you know, like a normal person. Like, well, like, yeah. like got up early in the morning, went to work, got home late at night, like a proper normal job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, um, yeah, anyway, also, when you are a top athlete, you need to wake up early anyway. Like, I'm always awake 6.30 when I'm training anyway, so... True, true. So, it's a weird thing to say, actually, that your MX2 career is over. Like, is that quite a weird thing for you to sit there and think? Or you, or I guess that kind of goes nicely with this fresh start. Um, to be honest, it's like... I had a really tough time the last year because, like, I got... Um, I didn't know anymore what I had to do, you know, with my life, to be honest. I had a really tough time. I was scared to see people. I was ashamed from all my injuries and stuff like that. But, um, like, now, and also the last two years in MX2, it really need to happen, you know, to make it to MX1. Normally, the last two years in MX2 need to be your best years, and I I didn't write my last two years in MX2. Yeah. But, 
I'm happy now, you know, that it's a fresh start, you know, I go MX1, so everything what I do is actually quite good, you know. Like if I finish uh, fifth, then it's really good. If I finish 18, then yeah, it's not, yeah, it's okay, you know, and next motor we do better, for example. So there is no uh, real pressure. So it's just a fresh start now. And um, yeah, we're just uh, going to build and uh, see how it goes. I guess you're looking forward to getting back into training every day, like off the bike and like getting back in like stuff like that. When you're doing it week after week, it must get a bit of a grind. But after having a year out, I'd imagine it's quite exciting to get back into that routine again. Yeah, exactly. Like um, I started last week, you know, and it's just so good to uh, train physical every day, you know, and to I still work for my dad, but I do the trainings uh, like, the physical trainings uh, go first and after that I work for my dad. But, um, yeah, it's just good to, to be back. And, um, now also since my surgery yesterday, you know, my last surgery, you have something to look forward to, you know, you, you can finally work to really come back, you know, to, yeah, to, to work for what you want. And that's riding, you know, obviously for the last, Two years you've been with the FH Racing Shop team. Is that a thing that can happen next year on a 450 or not? No, no, no. That's uh, not going to happen. So I'm still uh, looking uh, for a bike. We, we are talking with some people, but of course it's difficult. But I believe by myself, you know, if I'm fit, if I make my hours again on the bike, I can still do quite well in the future, also in MXTP. So I'm just I just go for it and see what is coming on my uh, bed. And uh, yeah, we see what's going to happen. You are trying to talk to some teams then. Like you're try- you are trying to sort out a proper deal for next year. But I guess if nothing like that comes up, I guess you'll try and figure out your own little privateer program. Um, yes, like, that, like I'm sure about one thing that I will come back. So if I don't get a bike or anything, then yeah. I, I will have to fix the bike myself. That's clear. And I guess, um, like, would you be open to, like, if you have to do a year of just, like, say, like, the German Championship and the Dutch Masters and stuff like that, would you, like, would you take that? Or do you, are you quite keen to just get back into MXGP and start learning the 450 class? The goal is always for me to ride at the highest level. I train still. I know it's really difficult, but my mindset is always to be built champion you know yeah so that's i i wake up and that's my goal you know but i know i start from zero so i need to build that back up again you know and if i get like a team that uh believes in me to ride mxgp you know when i'm fit next year then of course i do mxgp but if a team if i get a team that wants to do the other the dutch masters and uh, GPs closer or European GPs or whatever then yeah I just need to see what, what's going to happen you know and uh, with what I feel good so like I cannot pay uh, to write uh, GPs by myself you know I cannot pay that so yeah. <laughs> I feel like you'd be quite a good 450 rider like I feel like your style would go quite well on a 450 have you even have you even ridden a 450 before um I did ride a 450 before. That was when I was 16. I was uh, with Tony and Glenn training. 
uh, I think it was with Tony only. I was riding the bike from Tony and I actually really liked it. That was first time and the last time I rode a 450. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's been a long time ago, but everyone says it also. Um, I'm quite an easy rider, you know, like I shift on time and stuff like that. So I really use the bike. So normally that's good for the 450. So um, just wrapping this thing up, how uh, how tough has all of this been like mentally? Like obviously, like we said at the start, like coming 2014, you were really on top of the world, like dominating EMX 125, like really, like really on top of the world. How like the last uh, what is that? Six years, seven years? Like how tough has that actually been mentally? Like I guess you've kind of become quite a quite a strong person, like in yourself. Yeah, like for my injuries and all the team switches and all that, I I got stronger and smarter, you know. But for my last injury or my last, yeah, especially my last uh, broken arm last year, after that, I really, I was, like, I couldn't go lower, to be honest. Like, it was a really tough time. I, like what I said, I I couldn't see people because I was ashamed. Like, six years ago, what you, what you say to me, I was, like, on top of the world. I was, like, one of the best riders out there. And... Yeah, now you're nothing anymore, you know, like, it's tough. And you, like, it's, and the reason is because I always got injured. Like, it's not because I was riding bad or that I didn't do anything. Or It's just because I was always injured, injured. So, yeah, mentally you, you come to a point where you need to think, like, what we need to do, you know. And then, yeah, at the, at the beginning I was like, I'm done, you know, but that's, always a bit but then my body started to heal you know mentally I start to get better and like then I, I I decided like okay we go all in come back and we see what's gonna happen this is the thing that I think people need to remember as well though like like you say uh, six years ago you were one of the best riders in the world like for your age and class and stuff that doesn't that's not gone anywhere like you are still the same rider okay you've had a few bumps in the roads and stuff but your skill speed ability all of that like that hasn't changed once you're healthy and get back on a bike that's all still in you like that's the exciting thing i guess yes exactly and um, like i can still ride a bike and when i'm fit i i believe i can still do good that's also the reason why i come back like normal people maybe after so many injuries they stop you know but i know with almost every injury i had it was just pure bad luck you know or i even didn't crash with my for example my uh, inflammation in my wrist <laughs> but like it's just yeah I, I i believe if i come back if i'm fit then i can still do good so um yeah i think it, it's, it's gonna be fine and the injuries there has to come a point you know that the injury stops like that is like for sure we do motocross like um, every single moment we are on the bike, we put our lives in risk because that's how it is. And um, yeah, we like I think there there's gonna be a point that I will get some luck and uh, that everything is gonna be fine. I just keep uh, believing in that and um, yeah, and then we see what's gonna happen. Well, I think that seems like a great place to. Uh to wrap this thing up but before we do uh, I better thank uh, Leah and Prox once again for presenting this podcast uh, known for producing the world's most effective neck braces Leah continues to evolve and can protect riders from head to toe 
No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, of all new 7.5 helmet with 360 turbine technology, Liat has you covered. And you actually use Liat just like last year. And actually, actually, I remember seeing this. Liat made it like Liat was the reason why you could start wearing neck braces again, wasn't it? Like obviously you broke your collarbone loads and stuff like that. So your shoulders were a bit messed up. But Liat made it so you could be comfortable wearing a neck brace again. So like, good f- yeah. like those people have done good things for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm with Liat. Uh... I'm really happy. So uh, hopefully in the future we can maybe still work uh, together for next year. So um, yeah, the neck brace was really good for me. Like I always missed it, but I couldn't ride with, with the neck brace. Like I never really felt safe without neck brace, but I just couldn't ride with it because my shoulders were too damaged. So then I took, uh, yeah, what well, I told you, some more time off to let my shoulders uh, get strong and my whole body. And then Together with Leeds, um, they fixed it that I could ride again with the neck brace. So uh, I was really happy with that. And um, yeah, the neck brace is just really good. Uh, and I also need to thank Prox Performance Parts, who supply genuine replacement products which meet or even exceed OEM quality. All parts are manufactured to highest quality standard at state-of-the-art manufacturing facilities around the world. Hence why everything that Prox Racing Parts offer exceeds the highest level requirements for all motocross riders require. Many of the Prox parts are actually made by the same suppliers to the OEMs as well. Head to pro-x.com now to learn more. Right, um, last thing, I think, seeing as we've done this whole, like, your story's out there now, like the whole story, everyone knows, but anyone you'd like to thank, just, like, obviously you've been through a lot, so is there anyone you'd like to just give a shout-out to for sticking by you and, you know, just anyone you'd like to thank? Yes, I would like to thank just everyone that still supports me, you know, after all my injuries. Like, I still get many messages, uh, messages, messages on uh, Instagram and Facebook and on WhatsApp. And also, because of all that support, you know, I, I felt like, okay, I can come back, you know. So I'm thankful for that. And every single person that helped me. Like all my trainers, uh, physical trainers, physios, uh, my family, just every single person that helps me, uh, thank you, and um, we will come back. Well, that seems like a perfect place to end. Uh, Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back with another podcast uh, next week. Lots going on, lots of podcasts added weekly. Uh, Thanks for listening, and we will be back very soon. Cheers.